Welcome to Breakout, your number one NFL fantasy podcast from down under. Stats, analysis, and all you need to dominate your NFL fantasy season. Welcome to Breakout, the only NFL fantasy podcast from Australia that you need to know about. I'm Joel Bunkle, and joining me today is my trusty co-host, Mark Ringritsky. Mark, how are you today? Joel, thanks for having me. Another great week in sport. How about this news? I'm barely picking up my jaw off the four. Fournette. Couldn't see don't that happening. I don't, want, oh, I don't even know if I want to talk about Fournette. That's, that's painful. You drafted him, didn't you? I drafted him literally six minutes before it got announced <laughs> on, on, on all the bloody Twitter and all the news that he'd been, he'd been dropped. So, look, I mean, it's either going to go one way or another for me. <laughs> and I hope he gets signed somewhere good. I'd love if he ended up on a high-scoring offense somewhere like a KC. The but um, yeah, would love that. But um, there's nothing like that midway through your draft just to absolutely gut you. This is why we draft so close to the season. We don't draft two weeks out, boys. This is how we should be doing it. And Joel, just for anyone else who's got Fournette, what are you thinking? Do you keep him? Do you go after Armstead? Do you try and trade him? Um, the world's gone buzzing with different options. Personally, I think just keep, hold the line, see what happens. But what are you doing? Got to hold him. Um, Got to see what happens over the next few weeks. Really important to uh, for your first round pick, essentially. Well, actually, I think it might have been a second round pick for me. So it's probably not as bad as it could have been. But very important that we try and play and, and keep a bit a bit calm about the situation. People in our draft did pick up the backups. And to me, I don't, I don't think there was a lot of value in that. I'm sure they're late round picks, but I see this move as it's, it's almost a surrender flag for the Jags this year, isn't it? Yeah, they're going to be in the Miami. And I think the only value now is really Chalk and Minshew. And I don't know if there's going to be anything in the running backs. Chris Thompson will probably get a few eight points here or... 10 points on some catches, but it's pretty much over for the Jags, um, which is a huge shame. They were almost at the Super Bowl two years ago and have just blown up as early as they could. But other news, Joel, uh, Alvin Kamara, is he holding out or do you think he'll be back for the year? Uh, I think he's in. I mean, we had this with Z-Class. We always have one every year, right? And sometimes uh, I suppose they do hold out or hold in, I suppose is the new term I'm starting to hear around. I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping uh, for fantasy owners' sakes. I mean, it's, it's, it's a risky pick. I mean, you, you're coming up in our fantasy draft this weekend, Mark, and he's around your pick. He's around your mark. So I'm going to reflect that back to you. And I know you're pretty high on Kamara given our uh, running backs episode last week. Are you going to take him? Yeah, so I'm a bit worried, to be honest. Kamara and Cook. So Cook's dropped to seven on the latest ADP because there's rumors he's going to hold out. Uh, they're both just shockingly underpaid, like $3 million or something for top RBs in the league. If I'm going to go with Kamara or I'm going to go with Cook, I'm going to look for their... I'm going to look in the late rounds to get the uh, run, other running back from the team, so Latavius Murray or Matheson. And I think just cover all bases just to be sure. Yeah, look, I mean, I think we could see those guys slipping down the order. Those, I suppose for us, were four and five kind of level picks there. So it happened last year with Zeke. He slipped down a couple picks um, in the order as well. Uh, so opportunity for people who are willing to take a risk. 
And ultimately, that's what it's all about in fantasy. You get your first round pick right. Um, Kyrob really uh, had a great run with Zeke. So, you know, he was a top three, um, top four running back that went at pick eight. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Kamara and Cook. It's almost like a NFL draft, that late news when players slide, isn't it? It is, it is. So today on this episode, what we're going to do is we're going to go through our quarterback and our tight end rankings. Uh, we're not going to spend as much time discussing these as we did last time. We're also going to look at draft strategy ahead of our, our league of record drafts this Saturday. Let's get into our quarterback ratings. Why don't, why don't we start with our, uh, our quarterback consensus number one. So how we're doing this is a half point PPR scoring method. And the consensus is what uh, is happening across the world at the moment with everyone drafting their fantasy leagues. Consensus number one pick is Patrick Mahomes, interestingly enough, is the first quarterback off the board. Mark, you and I both have him at two. Um, there's only one man that we're going to be putting in front of him. Lamar. Absolutely. Uh, look, I think, uh, let's talk about Lamar. What are you expecting from Lamar this year? Are you going to see the same? He had a stellar season last year. It was epic. I honestly don't know. He's one of those ones that just falls into it where like, you think he's just going to be a stud and MVP candidate, he's um, RB, QB um, in one, and they were just dominant on their offense. But we've really never seen anything like it. It was kind of like that college formation run play. We know that defenses really come back um, after having a year to study the tape. Um, Tennessee might have shown uh, just how to you know, defeat um, Lamar, but I don't know. I don't know. I think I've got him at one um, just because he was too good last year. Yes. I think he's going to be good, but there will be regression. I don't think he's good. There's not going to be that distance uh, between him and, and the pack like there was last year, which was, I think, close to almost 80 fantasy points on the season, which is huge. And uh, definitely don't see that happening again this year. Uh, let's talk about uh, consensus number three, Dak Prescott. Now, I've got him at three. Mark, you've got him at four. Yeah, everyone's all on board the Dak train. Two years ago, everyone was saying he was just a bit of an Alex Smith. He just held the ball, never gave up a, a pick. He has one good year, and uh, it's all on board. Well, in 2018, he was... He's been... You know, look, you'd say he had a breakout year last year for him, you know, coming in and finishing essentially the number two QB on the year. In the previous two years before that, he was 10 and 11. So it was all right. He was around the mark. He was being played in most uh, PPR leagues, especially. And, you know, I think something that has really picked up with Dak in the last, especially last season, is the amount of pass attempts. You know, they've, they've moved to this throw-first area kind of offense, even with Zeke on the team. And, I mean, they're a very high-octane offense. They do get a lot of scoring, a lot of scoring opportunities. He had 596 passing attempts last year, and that was that was definitely in the top three or four. So it's a team that likes to throw, and that's a good news for a fantasy owner for a QB. And that's definitely a difference now, isn't it? It's Dak's team. There's a clear identity at Dallas, and it's all on Dak, not Zeke anymore. Um, so, yeah, he's definitely going to be a top three pick. I'd go for him early um, if Lamar and Mahomes are off the board because he's just going to be – he can also run – so he's just great for those touchdown runs that he comes in on. And I think he's a great value as a third QB off the, off the board. Consensus number four, Deshaun Watson. Uh, we both got him at five. And I think that even though he loses Hopkins, 
He gains David Johnson. He gains Cook. He gains Randall Cobb. That's still you know a fairly well-serving wide receiver core and uh, a running back that doesn't mind getting him out of the backfield as well. So I think there's a lot of people under writing off the Texans a little bit, and I think that Deshaun could be uh, could be that shining light of that offense there. Yeah, I'm on him still at top five, but not because of Randall Cobb. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> hey, he wasn't bad for the uh, for the Cowboys last year at times. He definitely filled the role, and I think Cooks coming across from the from the Rams uh, is a good pickup for them. Yeah, and they're really all the talk how the preseason is how they've got hard workers who are going to play their roles. Um, so hopefully their O line can get together, and Watson doesn't have to scramble so much. But he showed last year he's an elite QB. He's done it for two years, two three years in a row now. He's up there with Lamar and Mahomes. It's just with the exciting young guns. So yeah, expect him to be a top five quarterback for sure. Consensus number five, Russell Wilson. You've got him at three. I've got him at four. What do you think? He's better than Deshaun Watson, I think, fantasy value. He runs more. Yeah, he's definitely above. I think he's, he's one, for me, he's one pick ahead of, of Deshaun. He's MVP candidate. Um, he's done it for the last two years in a row. It's all about Russell in Seattle. Even though they run first, he still gets his throws, and he's just crazy effective. He only needs to have... 15 passes, but 14 of them will be completed. He'll have three touchdowns, and he'll run for 60 yards. He's just very efficient. Oh, 100%. And he's thrown for 31 touchdowns in three straight seasons now. I think something that is worth considering is the Seahawks' defense is not what it used to be. It is not that brick wall pillar of strength that it used to be. They will get scored on, and they got scored on last season, so it's going to give them more opportunities to be on the field. It's going to be more situations where they're maybe behind or just in front where they still need to throw the ball and move it up the field. And then the next guy is someone who is being pushed in the uh, Watson and Wilson tier. Um, a bit surprised, but people are talking about him MVP. This um, second year um, QB, uh, it's not a curse. It's a, what's the word for a good thing, but Kyla Murray. People think he's going to be a sure thing. Consensus six. We've both got him at six. Why do you have him at six? What's uh for you, what's the big upside for, for Murray? Well, Hopkins is one. Yeah, the second is he was first year QB last year and finished number seven. So I think he's got to improve. He's had a year to uh, get himself acquainted with NFL. So Hopkins, given what he did last year and the fact that he's just so good on his feet, I think that gives him uh, top six potential. Yeah, look, I think the only... I think he's going to be good this year. The concern is... For someone who takes him early and around the, you know, his ADP is being a little bit high and, you know, is he potentially a bust at the pick that you end up having to take him? You know, compared to, and I'll talk about this a lot today, compared to what a quarterback that you could get in a later round. You know, we still haven't spoken about Drew Brees and Matty Ryan and even Josh Allen. And there's not going to be a massive gulf between them and Kyler. And, and it's very reasonable that some of those quarterbacks will finish in front of Kylo as well. So for me, it's the question of how much does it cost you? I would agree, but I think the only thing uh, would be in fantasy people's mind is that Kyler Murray could be what Lamar was last year. He could just dominate this year, be clear-cut number one um, QB on the board. And I think that hype that it's around him is what's seeing him drive up the boards. And I think people are freaking out after they see Lamar and... Mahomes go off the board and Russell. 
So, yeah, it could be a bit of a supply and demand thing, but I'm interested to see what your stats are later. So let's go on to the next guy. Consensus number seven, Drew Brees. So, Mark, you've got him at 10. I have him at seven. Uh, maybe I'll kick this off and I think the only question I have, I mean, 41 years old, legendary quarterback of the NFL, injured last year, still came back and delivered. You know, injured, missed a whole lot of games last year and still came back and, and finished the quarterback 21 on the year. But on the amount of games that he played, he still finished better than some players that played out a whole season. Um, his last three years have been ridiculous. Like, he just keeps getting so many touchdowns and his past completions, it's insane. I think the question really is, is there going to be a transition to Taysom Hill or not? And is that going to come this year? Obviously, they run trick plays with him out of the backfield and all that kind of stuff. Throw him in for the odd play. But is Taysom Hill going to be the guy going forward? Is that what they're banking on at New Orleans? Yeah, I think they're, they're going to look for those trick plays early, um, especially against some of the weaker teams, just to get the wins and score um, pretty quickly. I reckon they're going to be leaning on the run a lot more. He's 41, so they're going to have to look at something else. And I reckon, given the last two years being knocked out early, I just wouldn't be surprised if they kind of ease breeze through the year, maybe even play Jameis, to be honest, um, and just lean on the run. So that's why I had him at 10, but he's a stud. Okay, consensus number eight is Tom Brady at Tampa Bay this year. Mark, you've got him at 13, five picks under that. I've got him at 11, three picks under that. He's a bit overrated at the moment, isn't he, for a bit of an unknown? Yeah, the funny thing is last year, I think he had four of his first six games. He had 21 fantasy points, um, so he proved that he was obviously up there with his scoring. Um, but he's 43, so if we're worried about Drew Brees at 41, Brady's even older. He finished the year horribly. He had that pick in the final. I don't know. I'm not buying him, uh, but maybe I'm just one of those guys who wants to see him fail. He's obviously confident enough in himself to change teams, change systems and, and go through that process and back himself in to say it was me who was responsible for the success at the Pats and, and really take ownership of that. So part of me thinks that, well, he wouldn't have done that move unless he had that confidence in his body and, and whatnot. Yeah, I think he'll be, he could definitely finish a top 15 quarterback and he'd be a safe pick for anyone out there who's, who has waited um, and is looking in the late rounds for a QB. Um, Go with the gut. Consensus number nine, Josh Allen from the Buffalo Bills. Mark, you've got him at seven. I've got him at nine. A lot of upside with Allen this year. I see huge value. So especially when for a team, if you're constructing a team, you've gone RBRB, you're topping up with wide receivers in the middle round of the draft. Let people go after the early QBs and take someone like Josh Allen in your round sevens, eight, nines, tens, because he's a stud. He was QB number six last year. The Buffalo Bills are definitely going to be better. So expect him to improve. I wouldn't be shocked to see him as a top five. And the thing that everyone forgets is how good he is on his legs. So, yeah, I think he's definitely got a lot of upside and he's huge value pick for fantasy. Rounding out the top 10, the uh, contensus 10 pick is Matty Ryan. Mark, you got him at nine. I got him at 12. He's just a stud. Um, Korob, um, our other podcaster, has got a bit of a hard on for him. And maybe that's spilled on to me. But um, Matty Ice, he plays indoors. He's got Gurley. Um, I'm still not forgetting just how successful he's been over his career. And they finished 7-9 and nine last year. Real hot streak. He's got a lot of weapons. Um, so, yeah, he's definitely going to be a really traditional quarterback. He's got a lot of value. We'll finish top 10. 
taking weight in your fantasy and you can't go wrong. Yeah, don't want to be taking him in the single-digit rounds, but after that, I think he's fair game. Uh, maybe we'll just run through our next, the, the bottom 10 QBs here at a bit more of a pace, and I'll just kind of rattle them off and we can go over any notes here. So consensus 11 is Aaron Rodgers at 12, Carson Wentz at 13, Matthew Stafford, 14, Big Ben Roethlisberger, 15, Daniel Jones, 16, Baker Mayfield, 17, Jared Goff, 18, Joe Burrow, 19, Cam Newton, and rounding out the consensus top 20 is Ryan Tannehill from the Tennessee Titans. Now, which are the ones that stand out to you there, Mark? And I think the one that maybe is the first one to talk about is Carson Wentz. Yeah, I'm on Wentz. Wentz bounces back for me, although uh, watch out for Philly. They've lost 40% of their line already, so two injuries to their tackles. So that could be a bit of a danger. Um, so he could definitely come back. I've got him finishing in top 10. Um, he's a, he's an absolute stud who can get a lot of touchdowns. For me, the biggest worry is Aaron Rodgers. You've got, you've got him at 12. I've got him at 14. He could be starting to taper. Last year, a stat that uh, we have found during the week is that his, his touchdown rate last year was 4.4%, and that was down for his career average of 6%. So that could be a sign now that it's starting to taper out. It could also be a reflection that Devontae Adams didn't have the best the best season either. So I think it is a turning point season for Aaron Rodgers this year. Yeah, don't. If I'm, my tip is anyone out there, the name's good, but uh, I'm probably steering clear of Rodgers. Wentz is a good value pick. Stafford for me uh, looks really fit. Big Ben looks fit, and the one guy, one one guy for me who I'm picking really late, who I reckon is going to get a lot of value, is Daniel Jones. I'm a New York Giant. I know it, but <laughs> I think he's going to be a stud. What about you? You got to convince me on this one. I, I have him at sixteen. You got him at eleven. You got him just outside the top ten. Mate, I reckon he could finish in the top ten. But oh, I didn't want to be biased. But come on. The thing for me is he had four games with twenty-eight points. 28 so he's one of the only rookies to do that he can run he can throw from week eight last year he was qb5 on the year and he had some absolute shockers he fumbled a lot so just given what he did last year given the weapons he gets back um the other thing to remember is sterling shepherd uh, golden state engram and saquon never had a game together so we get them back on the park this year i'm a new york giant and i'm telling everyone take Jones. He'll be this year's Josh Allen. He's very much a sleeper style pick for me. He's boom or bust. You say four games with 28 points or more. I say six games with 14 points or less. And that is the equation you're going to get unless you get a true breakout quarterback. I mean, it's just a question of whether that's going to happen this year. Yeah, well, I think let's agree he's a sleeper. It's a bit sensitive for me, so uh, <laughs> bank on him. Uh, Probably um, players we didn't have in our like we didn't have in our top twenty. Uh, Baker Mayfield not making the cut for either of us, even though he's at a consensus sixteen. Yeah, just uh, last year burnt me. Um, he obviously looked like he could do it all, but yeah, I don't know. I'm not on not on the brown. I, I am on the Browns, but I'm not on Mayfield to be a top twenty quarterback given some of the talent above him with Big Ben and Stafford coming back. He finished at twenty last year, but I think for me with the Browns. I want to see it to believe it. I'm not gonna. I'm not buying the hype this time. Yeah, yeah. And just who do you take out? Really, is what what it comes down to for me um, of that list. Um, so, yeah, they've got him at 16. And you know, I think one man who gets overlooked as well is Jared Goff. So he was number two and number three for completions um, 
for attempts and uh, completions as well. Sean McVay factor. Uh, he's someone who's really generally underrated at the moment, but yeah, he's a stud. Yeah, I like Goff as like a late kind of, he was a very highly rated quarterback being taken in the first five last year. And they just didn't have a good season. And Goff in particular played four really bad games against four really good defenses. And if they could just get it working, then he could work his way back into the top 10, I think. Let's move on to tight ends. We're not going to spend a lot of time talking about tight ends. There's some uh, very clear value at tight end, and there is also some little bit of shady area in there as well. Who's at the top? Who's always near the top of the tight ends, Mark? Always King Kelsey and always George Kittle. Um, Clear one and two. The first one's going off the board. Question is, when in the first round, how far in the early in the second do you go? I guess it really depends on how you value the tight end position. Um, But they're clearly one and two. The next set of tight ends down are your Mark Andrews, your Zach Ertz, and your Darren Waller. Essentially, our top fives are the same for tight ends of how we've ranked them, and it is in that order. Kelsey, Kittle, Andrews, Ertz, and Waller. I think, Joel, I want to talk about Zach Ertz, a forgotten man. So everyone always talks about Kelsey and Kittle, but he finished the year. He had a really strong finish last year. He's been top four tight ends for the last three seasons in a row. He deserves to be there in the conversation. Um, but he's in mock drafts, he's going around that uh, five, six, uh, seven range. A lot of value there? Absolutely. One of the standing pillars of the Philadelphia Eagles offense that always tends to deliver. And I've seen in a lot of drafts, uh, Darren Waller at the Raiders going above him. In some cases, seeing Evan Ingram going above him as well. No and way. Ertz is just uh, good value if he, if he drops. I don't know whether he's worth an early pick. I don't know if he's worth a five or a six. There, there is a, there's a significant drop-off in tight ends between the top five and the rest of them. You know, the, Especially you get that drop-off, and it's kind of like if you don't get one of those top five tight ends and you're not prioritizing that position in your draft then you're almost better off waiting till the end. The top five is almost like getting another wide receiver. They just kind of do it all, you know, like consistency. Kelsey and Kittle will score high 20s um, and just have monster games. But when you get down to the next five, you're looking at Ingram, Cook, Hurst, Hunter Henry, Jaseki, Noah Fant, those type of guys. Um, young kind of unknown guys or people that come in and out of games um, will consistently get one touchdown, but there's still value there. A hundred percent. And the the difference between you know your your tight end one and your tight end two, the golf is not as big as as you would think it would be. Like there is a points drop off there, but the opportunity cost of what you you know by going and getting a an RB two or a wide receiver two is going to help your team more, I think. So you obviously need to fill the tight end position. Don't panic. Something that happened last year in our league of record is that we only picked in the draft seven of the top 10 tight ends that, for, that finished on the year. So there were three undrafted tight ends that were picked up off the waivers post-draft. So it's not a position that's an exact science and you don't need to panic. I think it's because when you get past the 10 mark, you start to freak out because you're looking at names like Darren Fells, even Jack Doyle, 
um, Jarwin down at Dallas, and you still, no one really, uh, they're not household names, so there could be a bit of, um, people could start to freak out and make a bad decision, but definitely stay calm. There's a lot of value in those um, tiers, and they will get you touchdowns, and the points difference actually isn't as big as what perhaps uh, the value, seems, but perhaps what people think, isn't it? So, Mark, outside of the top five, how how are you ranking your the rest of maybe the next five? Your how do you round out your top ten of uh, tight ends for the year? So I'm going uh, Hooper. I think he's going to go to Browns. Uh, he he's just got he's shown in the last two three years how good he is, and he's worked his way into it. Engram, Cook, Hayden Hurst at Atlanta as well. Uh, is going to take that spot from Hooper. Sorry, at Atlanta, and Hunter Henry, obviously always injured, but um, has shown he's got really good. Had really good chemistry um, with Rivers. I think he'll do the same with Tyrod Taylor, and um, he'll be pretty consistent. What about yourself? So at six, I have Cook. Seven, I have Ingram. Eight, I have Gasecki. Nine, I have Hunter Henry. And rounding out my top ten is Noah Fant from the Broncos. I can't believe you've got a Miami tight end so high, given the amount of crap you gave them last year. Well, look, I mean, they did turn a bit of a corner there, and I think this year... You know, with with the addition of maybe in mid, midway into the season of seeing a bit of tour action, I, I want to see it. I want to see that, and I want to see the upside that gives the uh, Dolphins. They're definitely taking a much different approach into the season this year than, than they did last year, which is kind of akin to what the Jags are doing into this year. Uh, and let's, another interesting point for neither of our top 10s is we've got no one from the Rams. They had two notable tight ends last year. You're not high on Higby or Everett? Which one? <laughs> I think that's the problem. Uh, they've got two there. They, were, they, they definitely kind of wavered in, in between the two last year. I'm not convinced on either one finishing top 10 yet. Uh, and, you know, the fact that there's two is a little bit of a detraction as well. Someone who finished top 10 last year, and for anyone who's listening, will give a lot of value late in the draft because he will slip. Dallas got it. Do you think he can do it again? I mean, nothing's outside the realms of possibility here. We're, we're talking about a low-end uh, tight end. But look, I really think you should be looking in the first three to four weeks and seeing which tight ends are starting to trend and who are undrafted and make tight end a priority in the first three or four weeks of the season because they're going to start to emerge pretty quickly. So just keep the finger on the pulse. See, I'm actually a bit the opposite. Given there's no preseason games and we don't have the ability to see which undrafted tight ends will come good, who will be the Darren Wallers of the year, I reckon maybe go for a known quantity and just fill that position, set and forget. I think it's uh, just at what cost, Mark, and I think that's a great segue into our draft strategy discussion for today. And a very important part of every fantasy owner's equation is how they approach the draft. How, how have you traditionally uh, gone about it, Mark? I've always gone RB heavy. Uh, and a dual threat QB. There's, there's been my backbones and also looks to get a tight end. I've always gone for a Kittle or Kelsey uh, to fill in that set and forget, but don't think I'll be doing that this year. Uh, what about yourself? Yeah, look, I think the running back and wide receiver early has definitely always been in my book and it will definitely be in my book this year. I have left, I think I drafted a QB in uh, the 11th round last year. Uh, and that was Josh Allen, and that's where like some of these fall. And I think there is a bit of a misconception here, and I've done this research, and I've really pushed this as the, of why you shouldn't take a quarterback in the first round. 
and and proof enough of that was last year, right? And everyone thinks, oh, Lamar Jackson obviously dominated last year. Do you remember where he went in the draft? Uh, somewhere around round seven. That's right. You know, in our league of record, Chippy took him in round seven. Uh, didn't win the league, by the way. It wasn't a league winner taking that, but that's about the right, you know, round seven. I, I feel comfortable with taking a quarterback in that range. But taking him in the first round, second round, third round, it's going to cost you too much, Mark. And I remember Lamar getting like 36, 40 points last year. He was getting two touchdowns himself, running and then throwing for like four, something crazy. Surely that's first round talent. No, it's not. Let me, look, I've run the numbers. Uh, let's, let's walk through the numbers, all right? So here's the thing about taking like the QB one. You've got to, A, you're going to say, is Lamar going to back up his season from last year? 415 fantasy points on the year. Massive. That wasn't as big as Patrick Mahomes the previous year who put up 417, by the way. And then we saw what happened to Mahomes last year, right? Regressed, got injured, dropped off, uh, had 287 on the year. So there is that risk. And I think there, there's only regression here. I don't think there's a path forward for Lamar to be, you know, stepping up that and going bigger. And really what it comes down to is that if you take him with your first pick, it costs you too much at running back especially and also a little bit at receiver too. So mapping out here our first five rounds of picking and I would say a traditional format would be going running back, running back, receiver, receiver, and then maybe you look at quarterback in the fifth. That's what we're going to assume in this pick. And I'm going to compare that with quarterback in the first round and, and specifically Lamar at his performance last year. So I'm going to weight it a little bit in the favor of taking Lamar and hoping that he posts the same, the same score up. And then going, if you're taking Mark, if you're taking a, a quarterback in your first round, when the second round pick comes along, a running back one might not be on the board for you. It's probably more likely going to be a receiver one, right? Yep. So we're looking at taking a receiver one in the second round and then taking a running back, probably a running back two. And then in the next round, picking a running back two to three. So maybe a running back 2.5. And so then we're talking like Miles Sanders missing out on taking Lamar. Well, or... I mean, we have, we have Miles Sanders as a top 10 mark. And... I think you're talking, if you're kind of in that two to three range, you are more in the range of getting David Johnson, Raheem Mostert as yep. your, your, first, your first running back. And then your last pick would be a receiver too. So averaging all out of like the, what has taken out, that's going to give you about an average of 73.8 points, fantasy points per week of just your top five. And obviously you fill out the rest of it with your flex and your, uh, sorry, with your um, tight end and your defense and your kicker and all that kind of thing. Not bad, not bad. Now, if we take the assumption that you go RB heavy and you go RB one, so you get a a top class RB and then your second pick is also like an RB one, two, so one and a half. And then you, you pick up a lower end wide receiver one and then your fourth pick is a wide receiver one and a half to two. And then you take the 10th best QB in your fifth pick. So last year, that would have been Carson Wentz. And he put up 275 points on the year compared to Lamar's 415. And you think, oh, that's almost an insurmountable difference. But amazingly, you make up the difference. 
you actually, in this second format, in this kind of standard strategy, you put together 75.1 points on average a week between those five players compared to 73.8. So people think, oh, it's not much difference. Yeah, it's tiny. So why don't you just go and get the stud quarterback? Joel, you tell me. You're the bookkeeper. You're doing the numbers. So my question to you, Mark, is what happens if Lamar gets injured? You've then got to pick up a quarterback who is most likely a quarterback one to two, so a fringe, so early teens. You know, Chances are if he's getting injured mid-season, then you're probably picking up a quarterback 15 or 16, and suddenly you've lost so much value because you put so much faith in Lamar that now your top five players are bringing you an average of 63.1 a week compared to if you just go on with the running back the running back offers, that's 75, that's 12 points more on average per week. And so even if you lost your running back one or your wide receiver one, there's a bit of balancing out there because it's not like you're losing a whole position out and you, you, know, you can go and probably find a value running back that's a two or three, a value receiver that's a two or three. And the difference between those positions is bigger, but it's not as big as, as losing Lamar if you go for him early. And I think I do remember last year Mahomes going in the top 10 uh, and people thinking, well, that's a good pick because he's going to be the number one player overall and then try and build a team from that. Mahomes got injured. And to your point, um, Neil finished last. Yeah, that's right. I don't think um, anyone who's taken a quarterback in the first round has had a huge amount of success and in many leagues, I think the whether you go running back, running back, or running back receiver, or receiver running back, the, the the absolute priority for you should be filling your receivers and your running backs in your first four or five picks. And you're saying even if you take QB one, you're still going to be two points behind. Even if they don't get injured, they play out the year, you're not going to be as successful as if going RB. Well, you know what, that, 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 the first that analysis of taking Lamar Jackson and him putting up 415, that's like an absolute best case scenario. If you miss Lamar and you take essentially just the average of like, a, you know, a top 10 quarterback, then you lose out more points. And then the, the gap in between the standard normal strategy of RB, RB versus a QB without Lamar. And so you get a Dak or a, a Russell Wilson. The difference is... 75 with traditional drafting strategy or taking quarterback one that isn't Lamar is 68. So suddenly it's a seven-point gap as opposed to a two-point gap. So let's talk strategy then off that. Where does Lamar, where does Mahomes go and what are you prioritizing? Look, in my first five picks, I won't be taking a quarterback. I would be prioritizing running backs, receivers, Potentially in the fifth round, I'd look at a tight end, depending on who's left on the board. Uh, if I find that tight end in our draft has been overvalued and they've come off early, then I'm probably more likely to wait until double-digit rounds to pick up a tight end and just focus on building out depth at receiver and running back. You know what? The thing I like about that strategy there is, imagine if you get a Zach Ertz in the fifth round. So you've got stud RB, stud RB, stud wide receiver, Good wide receiver, Zach Ertz. That's a pretty solid five. That's giving you more than 75 points a week. It's very important to hit on your first round. I think that's why RBs are the most important because they're when you get a solid RB, the depth isn't high enough. So you're not going to get someone else like a Cam Akers isn't going to be the same or um, Chris Carson isn't the same value as a Saquon or Zeke, um, for example. So yeah, this year I think it's really important for RBs early. 
And I think people will be shocked to see when every mock draft I do, the value in wide receiver in rounds three and four is shocking. Like I'm seeing Godwin go early third. You don't need to go into the draft with a mindset that I'm going to go RB, RB, wide receiver, wide receiver. You do need to judge what's on the board. And, you know, you probably do, you know, want maybe, you, you do kind of aiming for a top flight running back and a top flight receiver. And that's a, a good mix. It does, you know, the position at running back does drop off. You know, we talk about positional depth and this, the reason you shouldn't take the QB is because there's a large amount of, you know, positional depth. The, the difference between, you know, some of the top quarterbacks and some of the mid-tier quarterbacks is not that much of a difference. But when you get to running back especially, the difference can be drastic and it, it can be the, the difference of, you know, putting yourself together a, a championship team or not. So, Joel, I've got two last questions. The first one is one that I always baffle with every year is do you go with the big name or do you go with the hype? And an example I've got is do you go with like a Todd Gurley who's been a fantasy king or David Johnson or do you go with someone like a, a Cam Akers or a Zach Moss at Buffalo, um, even like a Montgomery, someone who's around the same mark? Do you go with someone who's a bit younger and could be is known to be good, or do you stick with that try that true talent and go with the girly? Look, I think when you weigh those options up, you need to look at a couple of things. And, and the first one is the situation at that specific team. What is the situation that Todd Gurley is in versus the situation that Cam Akers is in? Is Todd Gurley going to be the only running back on that team? Is he a potential bell cow? In the case of this year, yes. Is Cam Akers even the starter? He's got a high upside, a big rating, and he could he could boom. And I think it, it depends where you end up drafting, how far he falls down the order. If you feel like, you know, after six or so rounds that you've really rounded out a really solid RB in receiving core and you want to take a risk on someone who could be a high upside running back, then absolutely. I think you, for me, I used to always get caught going with the name. And like two people as well that come to mind this year is a Julio Jones and an AJ Green, like studs that have been fantasy gods for the last four or five years, talking top five wide receivers. But this year, they're, they're 31, 32. They've been around for ages. You know, AJ Green didn't even get on the park. He's going to sit there in the third round and someone's going to go, shit, I need to get AJ Green. He's he's a god, uh, fantasy god. And then... He might not deliver. He might just get injured, and that's a waste of a third-round pick. So do your research is mine. I think you're right. Look at the situation. And I reckon wait. You know, Tyler Boyd apparently has had a lot of good um, connection with Burrow. Don't waste up your third-round pick. Maybe get a, um RB2 like David Johnson or Chris Carson who's sitting there um, and do your research. And that's that's really my second question, Joel, is do you take someone like a Chase Edmonds or a Matheson at Vikings or Willie Snell Jr. Do you go with these RB2s who won't play, but if there's an injury, they could suddenly be a top 10 RB? The handcuffs. The handcuffs. Is it worth, is it worth the risk? Yeah, well, I think probably the first thing to note with those examples is um, they're running back twos at the team, but they're definitely not running back twos in terms of the greater competition because there's a lot of teams that do running back by committee and... You either have a 1A, 1B scenario or you uh, you do have like a bit of a, a running back in the situation of say like a James White 
at the Pats where he's kind of the running back too behind Sony Michelle, but still gets great volume. What it really comes down to is the likelihood of injury. And in the case of, say, the Madison or even like the Tony Pollard example is one that gets thrown around a lot because Dallas is a team that likes Tony Pollard. And if, if, if they're ahead, the Cowboys are ahead late in the game, they might give him a bit of game time. These guys are not going to be startable in a 10-team league unless the starter gets injured. You look at the injury histories. So you think about Delvin Cook. Does he get injured every season? Yeah. Does Madison come in and essentially pick up the workload by himself as, as the new bell cow? Yeah, he does. He's shown he can do that. And even, even Pollard, not last season, but the season before, has kind of been able to step into that role at times as well. You're just essentially saving a bench spot for that occurrence. In the case of Madison and Delvin Cook, I, I, don't, I, I don't hate that at all because Cook is likely to get injured this year at some point, maybe later into the season. And then if you've got Madison and you're sitting there on your bench, he could potentially win you your league and into your, your playoffs if he comes all the way through. Uh, but I don't think you can be keeping more than one of those guys on your bench. I think that's it for me. If you've got as someone like, if you're going to go on a flyer and take Connor or you've got Cook, make sure you get your insurance because you can't give afford to give up a first round pick or second round pick and then to not have the insurance that will come in and still be a top 10 RB potentially. And the second thing is I'm definitely going to take a handcuff flyer because for me, you've got to be in it to win it, Joel. You've got to get the points and it's worth the risk of taking someone who's handcuffed because they might be, when they get in there, they might take you all the way because suddenly you've got a top 10 RB and someone else doesn't and you haven't wasted your first round pick. The other thing is they've got good trade value. Um, and I think last year we saw the value of Austin Eckler. He went in the eighth round. He was someone who was handcuffed. Gordon didn't play the first four. All of a sudden, now he's going to go in the first round, first to second round um, of the draft. And, you know, that's a very, again, that's reading the situation well, knowing that Melvin Gordon might have held out last year and not played and taking Eckler. I mean, everyone, I think, assumed that he was going to come back and play, much in the same way that they did when Lev Bell held out and he didn't come back and play. Read the, read the situation and, yeah, take that late-round flyer on, on a situation that's not locked away. You know, thinking about, you know, even the Kamara situation, is Latavius Murray worth a late-round flyer? Absolutely. Yeah, to, absolutely, to find out whether he is, you know, he could end up being holding the load. I think uh, Latavius had top ten top weeks where he was top ten RB last week, last year, when Kamara just didn't really play or he was a hot hand. So you want that um, flexibility to bring him in. And the other situation, I think, uh, we'll give a little tip to our fantasy listeners: the Jets. So Bell's been complaining about how many carries he's getting. They're going out and getting Ballage from Miami, so they're trading for someone. There's already two or three people there. Is Bell going to be worth a second or third round pick given the situation? We could easily see Bell just not getting any touches and it being the Sam Darnold show in New York. Suddenly you've got Bell sitting there, got no trade value and is a waste of a pick. So do your homework, read the situation. And the last thing that I'll say is don't Google during the two minutes you've got do your homework, get it written down, because the, when the clock's ticking, you won't be able to make a good decision. If the pressure's on, you can't type that fast, and that's what leads to bad drafts. Absolutely. I think, though, probably one of the best draft tips I have is um, on my computer screen, obviously you've got the, the window open with the draft, and what I keep as a resource next to the draft are the positional depth charts. And 
it's a really quick reference because you can look at a you can look at a player who's an option for you and you can see who they're competing with on their team for the role and that's not really relevant for your RB ones and your wide receiver ones but when you get to kind of three four that kind of the range where you know the RBs are going to be sitting on your bench on a week to week basis but maybe you're looking for the upside comparing to who they're competing with is probably an important thing 100% but then again you see you've done your research you've got the the tab open, you're not Googling away, David Montgomery, 2020. That's right. Look, I think that'll about wrap us up, hey, Mark? I think what are we wishing everyone out there the best in their drafts uh, this week and this weekend ahead of the season start off on uh, the 11th of September? May the power of the fantasy guys be with you, Joel. Thank you, and to you too, Mark. Looking forward to going head-to-head in our draft. I know that you're probably picking it around pick five. I'm going to be picking it nine. We're going to have different drafts. Looking forward to it. Can't wait for the season. We'll be back post-draft week. We're going to be uh, rolling into our regular episodes. We're going to be doing waiver wire shows. We're going to be doing some matchup shows each week. Looking forward to getting into the regular season with our lovely audience this year.